Hey, this is Ryan. Thanks so much for tuning in to the third episode of Better-ish. Today's episode talks about some pretty heavy topics, and so I just wanted to make sure that you knew that before jumping in. Um, You know, if you're somebody who's struggling with drug or alcohol addiction and needs some help, especially if you're local here in the Wisconsin area, a great resource is a 24-7 hotline run by Project Wishope. That number is 844-WISHOPE or 844-947-947. Four six seven three. Uh, thanks so much. Enjoy the episode. When the world knocks you out and the clock speed past to heaven, you save a lost soul every night, and it's getting better. And our hearts beat so slow, saving up for what's to come now I left the trail for you to find me because it's getting better Okay, so I'm here with my friend Josue. Um, he is one of my good friends from AA since I started going this year. Um, I actually met Josue earlier than that, probably I don't know, a few years ago over Grinder. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we met just I know, like chatting or whatever, and you you were sober at the time, I'm pretty sure. When I was on Grinder? Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. Well, I think you were, because I think... I was trying to figure out my way. So okay. I was buying Suboxone off the street. I was living in poor Washington with my partner, Scott, and we were also trying to do the whole partners, trying to find other partners, mm-hmm. the Grinder thing. That's how we had to be met. I remember now. And um, I was... Sober in my, I wasn't going to AA or anything. I was using Suboxone, but I was buying it off the street. Okay. So it was like, you know. But a little bit after we stopped talking, mm-hmm. we lost contact. That's when I, the heroin became really hard. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, because then I just remember when I first got into AA and I was specifically trying to figure out, like, I don't know, like building a community for myself in that, but like, with gay people like you were one of the first people I remembered and so I reached out to you on Facebook I think yes you did and then you uh, took me to my one of my first meetings and then we kind of mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then I remember we got lunch and just kind of talked more about all the things which was awesome so now you've become one of my like really good like support people in the program yeah and I'm so proud of you you've done so much it's like you're I, everywhere I turn you're like either volunteering at Phoenix for events, or you're at behind the desk at um, Milano. Um, you're running meetings. You're doing. You're taking it so seriously. And it's so cool to see. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's been. And you're looking really good too. Thank you. As in, like not just your, like your physical, but your energy. Yeah. Is. I've heard that in the past six months quite a bit. Like people saying that, like I look, like I look healthier, I look happier, like just in general when I'm around, um, which I like. Oh, go ahead. No. Okay. So, um, tell me a little bit just kind of about your journey prior to when you got into the program or anything, um, whatever you're comfortable sharing, sort of. I remember I was working at Mona's. This is like a bar in Milwaukee, in the Fruit Loop, which is all the gay bars. And um, this is after, I got the job after I broke up with my seven-year relationship with Lucas. And... I was working, and a coworker of mine 
gave me, said, I was really stressed out and tired, I remember that, and she gave me a five, a five milligram oxycodone and said that this will make you feel better for the rest of the night. And I never had, you know, experienced or really heard about oxys or anything, you know. Um, she's like, crush it up and snort it. I was like, you can do that? You know, whatever. I went to the bathroom and I did it and I swear to God, since that day, for, I think it's 17, 18 years, I did not stop since that day. Um, and it was always, I was always a pill queen. Um, I broke my, my collar bone and I remember abusing that to the point where I would keep going back to the hospital saying that I either lost the bottle, coming up with some, some excuse. Back then it was easier to do that. And then I found myself buying it, you know, and um, it was um, really expensive. I, I mean, like, I, I've always been the type to have a job and, like, never steal or anything, but I never paid my bills. I always made sure that I was high, though. And it, it progressed from using just five milligrams to um, it being introduced to just pure 30s, you know, these little blue pills. And I just remember how much faster it is to get high when it's like just pure 30 milligrams mm -hmm. instead of five with the Tylenol and all that. I remember that. And it got it became really expensive at the time. This is like years, you know, I'm talking five years after um, I started introducing myself to Oxys. I'm at the Cheesecake Factory. It's on 2013. And I'm making really good money. Um, a friend of mine, Nikki, and uh, today at the meeting I actually brought her up because it was about the eighth step and the people that have died with daily reflection. Um, she introduced me to the 30s and it got to the point where we were paying for bills, she lost her relationship, I lost my apartment, she lost her apartment, and we ended up getting a really shitty apartment together. And all we did was use all the money that we made as servers. And we, I mean, I was making really good money at the Cheesecake Factory, because I was working like 90 hours a week. I was spending like $350 a day on my own use, and like, you know, and then her use. And it just got really messy, and it progressed so fast. I just, I, I mean, it just went, it progressed so fast to, I, I always told myself, I'll never use Harold. I'll never get to that point because it's you know it's just it's not a cute look. You know you mm -hmm. don't you, you don't think of heroin and you're just like oh yeah. Like yeah, yes, queen, yes, how cute! <laughs> Let's do that. Mm -hmm. But like, I didn't really think about her until today. Like I don't I try I I block things out and I'm starting to learn that. I haven't gone to my eighth step yet, but I blocked so much out. And. Um, one day I just found this old man that was paying for everything for me and he had like a huge prescription of 30s. He would get like 280 30s a month because he had like back problems and he like smoked meth and he had, he, had, he had money and all this whatever and didn't even tell Nikki. I just left. I had totally abandoned her in the apartment. I kind of skipped the step there. I. 
I was the one who introduced her to heroin. One day, uh, I we couldn't find 30s, and I had found somebody who had heroin, and we tried it. And I didn't really like it because it, it I just didn't like it at, at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to use it properly. And I think that she, I think that she did, but I just complete cut her off like she was nothing. She was like a really good close friend. We were together for. I think we lived together for like three years and I just cut off all communication to everybody and just became this empty shell of a drug addict with this person that I don't want to say his name, but I was there for like five years. Um, I didn't have to supply, I didn't have to to work to, you know, I didn't have to work. Um, but it got it got too pretty it got pretty ugly, you know. With with the meth use, I had to do sexual favors. Eventually, I had to. Um, I ended up starting to steal from him. I it just it became really bad. I heard later on, um, after I kind of got out of that situation with with the person, that Nikki had had a baby, and she died in the hospital from overdose after having her baby because she got really bad into heroin and I don't I don't even know what she's burying I feel like I've was such an addict. I made so much damage that I, I know it's not my fault because it's a disease, but I was so careless with everyone else. I am still recollecting things that I have done to other people. And this eight, I mean, I am back to my first step, but I am mortified because I'm starting to care and try to remember the things that I've done to other people so I can make an amend and it's making me want to use because I feel shitty about it but not only that I just I, the negative self-talk I, I just I don't like myself I, I don't have I, I mean I feel like I, I perceive I, I when I walk out and I go out and other people are like you're just like you you have everything together, you have a good job, you know, you look good. But inside all this, like uh, uh, the outside is I, I'm really good at the outside stuff. But the inside stuff, it's like a trash can of emotions and a landfill of things that I haven't cleaned up yet. I want this sobriety more than anything else. But it has not been easy. I'm starting to learn that it's more than just the addiction itself. I'm trying to fill this void. I'm starting to understand that it can be a lot of different things. Relationships, sex, money, vanity. If, if I stop one thing, it'll start manifesting somewhere else. It is My addiction is so strong. I'm scared, I'm honest. I'm scared because 
I'm I identify as an alcoholic because it's an ism and I can be well, allergic or addicted to anything because it just manifests in a lot of different ways and in a lot of ugly ways and I'm my body and my mind is always trying to trick trick my trick me into not seeing it that way mm -hmm. like I've been trying to not be in relationships because um, that can be something else that triggers me to you and I realized that um, I've been having a lot of cravings lately because I haven't been on Grinder or on um, talking to my exes just to hook up or whatever. And I couldn't figure out why I was having all these cravings. And it's because there's that void, mm -hmm. that void that I'm trying to fill. I, I, I'm lonely. I'm horny. I'm, I want to feel validated. And if I'm not getting it because I'm cutting it off, because I'm trying to work on myself, it's going to come out as um, a, a craving yeah, of any sort, like too much TV. or and, and I am really good at forgetting how to use my tool. But I'm also learning. I feel like I totally relate to just like the addiction hopping too. Like for me, all growing up, it was like food. And then, then it turned into alcohol and then it, like, you know, like it, just getting addicted to like anything and everything. And like, as soon as I got sober, I had just like so much random sex right away. I was like, I need to do something that feels chaotic or feels cool or different. And then, then all of a sudden I was like, I can spend $150 at fucking five below. I just want to be buying something. Like I was just doing all this dumb shit to the point where now I'm like, I feel sober. I feel good. But like, it's like scary to leave my apartment. Like... Not because I think I'm going to go drink, because I'm, like, literally anything I do, I'm just going to, like, get addicted to it. Or get, it just is going to, like, fuck me up. Like, I feel like I'm not good at anything anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Like, I'm going to ruin anything I touch. And so I'm just like, cool, I will just sit here on this couch. And, like, yeah, like you said, I'm just going to watch TV. Or I'm just going to, like, I'm going to do nothing because as soon as I start something, it's going to become my new problem. Yeah. Like, working out too much mm -hmm. or... Everything I do too much as addicts, we do too much, and finding a balance in that is so hard. Because when I like something, I like to do it at like the most, mm -hmm. and at that second, and at that second, if I don't mm -hmm. get it, then I don't want it anymore. Yep. Then I'm trying to find something else, and it's just it's finding in sobriety. It's just it gets better though. It does get better. I get the practice. Like like I have chronic anxiety. And I found different ways to handle it. Like, I mean, therapy works, yes, and breathing and meditation, but like, you know, like taking, like taking care of myself, drinking a lot of water. Mm -hmm. um, or like one thing that really helps me is magnesium citrate. Honestly, it's that you can find those like brands called Calm, or you can take like the pill form. It, it's literally my lifesaver from anxiety. And I have anxiety attacks. Hmm. It really helps. You should, I really recommend anybody, okay. whoever has anxiety. It's um, because it, I think the way that it works is that when we're anxious, we um, we burn that, and we need to replace it. So, like, I mean, I don't know necessarily the science of it, yeah. But it, it's somewhere along the lines of that. You know, you need to replace something that you burn. So, 
magnesium citrate, putting it back into your body, helps you regulate your nerves. Mm -hmm. And I, like instant. And I know with addiction, we need instant gratification. But that's like the most natural instant gratifying thing that I've found so far. Hmm. It's like natural herbs, but magnesium citrate. Okay. It'll make you poop if you've never done it. But once your body gets if used to it. If you've never pooped before. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, it really helps with your anxiety. It really does. I turned a lot of people on to it and they were just like, wow. Huh. Yeah. Do you it, take any other like actual medication or no right now? Yeah. I do um, um, Wellbutrin. I've been on. So I, what helped me, let's start with Vivitrol. Um, I was on, I had a deferred prosecution agreement. So when I was in Port Washington with my my ex Scott, we got um, pulled over in Mequon, and they don't have drug court, so I had a choice of either going um, to jail for like nine months and then um, having a probation officer for another six months, or I can I had the option of doing a deferred prosecution agreement, and that's like literally no mistakes, zero, and but you're free. You have to go and have a counselor and have two urine tests um, randomly a month, but you cannot make any mistakes. And for a heroin addict, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. So, like, that, that system does not work. Yeah. And, I mean, I am very – I really didn't want anything on my record, so I, have some, I had some decisions to make which one I wanted, and I picked the deferred prosecution agreement. But because somebody told me about the Vivitrol program, um, the Vivitrol is the one shot a month you get in your butt and it hurts, but it's worth it. Um, it's, the, it's like $1,500 a shot, but the state, there's a lot of programs out there that will help you uh, pay for it okay. completely free, completely free. It was all completely free for me throughout the entire two years of me being on. Um, and therapy too. There's a lot of help out there. You just have to look for it mm-hmm. and, and apply and whatnot. But um, that really helped me stay sober because it not only stopped the reset. It's not not a narcotic, but it helped me with my dreams. Um, that's just one thing that I know that affects a lot of addicts. It's the, the dreams, mm-hmm. the using dreams. Um, Because they they feel so real. And like you're doing great, you're doing your program, and then you go to sleep and you wake up and you feel like you're a square, you're you're back to where you started. Yeah. Because all you're thinking about, you're obsessing about using. And it's just, it's hard. It's, it's, the relapse rate is so high. But with Vivitrol, it was amazing. I, not that I didn't have them, but they decreased and to the point where I wasn't having them anymore. And um, I couldn't use, you know. even if I wanted to. So it was always that, that mental rest that I had. Like, uh, even if I wanted to get high, I couldn't. Yeah. So uh, it, it saved me. It, it just, it, it really saved my opportunity to complete the de- deferred prosecution agreement. And I did as of April um, to 20, 21st, I think it was, 2022. 20, mm-hmm. I completed it. And, but I'm an addict. Yeah. So guess what happened right after that? I relapsed. <laughs> How long between 
finishing the program in your, in your relapse? Because I, rem- I remember yeah, yeah. you talking about the program, you being almost done, and you being worried about not having yeah, that anymore. Yeah, I was constantly talking about it. I yeah. was like, almost like a self... Self-fulfilled prophecy. Prophecy, kind of- and mm-hmm. I knew it. I knew it, and that's what I was doing, because I was preparing myself for the relapse. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I... It's, it's like, I mean, I, I, I missed it. I mean, like, I didn't... I, I, had, I never thought in a million years that I wouldn't not not have opiates in my life because I am an, an opiophile. I consider myself an opiophile because I love everything about the, the flower, the way it's made. You can smoke it, you can inject it, the way it makes you feel, everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm obsessed. But in how- June, 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 uh, June 1st, 2022 is my sobriety day. I was purposely looking for reasons to relapse. So I reconnected with my ex. Mm-hmm. I fought with Ian. Mm-hmm. I found reasons. I, I, I was finding reasons to be pissed or ruin what I had. Friendships, AA. I wasn't going to meetings. I was trying to find, pick fights with people at meetings. Um, reconnecting with with, with someone that he's not a bad person it's just I knew that if I the reason that I left the relationship was because I wanted to work on myself mm-hmm. and he wasn't someone that wanted to do that or allow me to do that because he was taking a lot of my time so subconsciously getting back together with him kind of gave me the opportunity to be like, I'll show him. This is why we can't be together. Yeah. So, like, that was my sick, twisted reason of, you know, and it was a rainy day. Something with rain, too, with me. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but there's certain triggers. But every time it rains, I have hardcore cravings. Like this morning, mm-hmm. it, it rained, you know. Um, and I've been noticing a pattern. The, the day that I relapsed, it was like one of the heaviest rains. It was one of those rains that you just feel like you can't go outside because you can't even drive, you can't even get into your car because it's like so hard. And it didn't matter. I still got in my car and went to go pick up. Yeah, and of course. It was like instantly. It, I didn't know anybody. I I literally went on Grinder and I found like there's like language. You just know somebody who uses drugs. Yeah. By their pictures. Mm-hmm. By their, you know, by like, I don't know. But I found somebody and I found it within like 30 minutes. And before I knew it, I was back in my apartment and I was high. And the, I only bought a dub and that wasn't enough. So I went back and I bought a gram and I did it within like 30 minutes. And from there, I don't remember what else happened for like four, five days. I think I. Who knows what I did? I went to work and everything. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I know my coworkers are stupid. Mm-hmm. And they're aware that I'm in, in recovery, but we don't talk. You know, it was never, it was like never brought up. They thought, I told them I was sick. Mm-hmm. But you could, I mean, like, I didn't take, you know. But you went and drove went, and worked and talked. and everything. And, and I was fucked out of, like, blackout. Yeah. Because I did so much. And, and I mean. Have I'm you so, talked to any of them now? Like, oh, after yeah. the fact? Like, yeah, what did they, they say they, about it? I mean, they're just like, are you, 
they thought I always had the flu because I, w- I was like, I was so high, I was sick. Like, yeah. Like sick as in like um, dope sick. Mm-hmm. Like the chills, like all of it. The, the, ugh, there's a certain smell that I get from my skin when I'm dope sick. I, ugh, ugh, I can't, I don't know what it is. It's like a, I don't know what it is, but I, I it was, it, it was all over my body. It was a cold sweats. Like I, I was, couldn't see straight. The whole, the whole, all of it was just obvious to somebody who would know a dope addict, but they're, you know, they, they, they thought I had the flu. Okay. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't bring it out. I know that they were being supportive. Yeah. But I just couldn't do that too. I, I was too ashamed. I was already planning not to even bring it up in AA. You know, I just wanted to, I, I was going to be picking up my two year and I didn't want to ruin that. It was just an all self image thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But I couldn't. And when I was tossing and turning on my couch, I was like, no. I gotta be honest. I'm, I have. I'm sick. Something's wrong. I became honest. I got a new sponsor. Um, I, I decided to go with a woman this time, mm-hmm. and she's so great. Like uh, one day, you introduced you. You love her. She's yeah, so, I love that. Such a good speaker. Um, so involved in, in the AA community, and um, I just I'm going doing ninety ninety. I'm just doing whatever it takes. Like this, like this morning, I had a craving, so I called my 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 best friend, my brother. I consider him his name is Ryan Hobdy, and we're almost like twins when it comes to our addiction, because he knows he can read my bullshit. Yeah, right through <laughs> the fucking phone. Like he just like it, and it's he knows exactly what to say, because he's my twin flame when it comes to the addiction. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a thing, but I feel like sometimes there's that one other person that is exactly like you in addiction and they just know how to call you out and not co-sign your bullshit. And he helped me out this morning and it's just not been easy. The things I really like about the program itself, AA specifically, is that idea that like, you know, I can be like a regular at like, like, we, like, Josue and I go to a, this Sunday meeting pretty much every Sunday. And, like, if I don't go, like, there's at least two texts I get of, like, oh, hey, where were you? You know, like, 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 the people that you meet start to, like, know you and start to, like, care. And, like, for me, like, I rem- I don't even remember why, but I was, like, it, it, it just popped in my head, like, oh, like, I haven't, like, seen you at a meeting in a while. Or just, ha- like, like, we at least, like, text back and forth, you know, frequently, and I haven't talked to you in a while. And so I reached out, and that's when you told me that you relapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you, did you get, like, a lot of that kind of thing? Like, other people, like, in the program noticing that things were changing, or? I feel like I put up such a facade that I was doing so well mm-hmm. that it was hard for people to, um, to tell. So I had to go out of my way to let everybody know that I relapsed. Because, um... All I was doing was trying to make it look like I was okay. Yeah. That everything was peachy keen and that I was doing everything to fit in. Because I, you know, I thought, oh, I have two years now. Now I'm in that part, in that, that longer year club and, or, or whatever that 
whatever egotistical thing that I built in my head. But I wasn't like actually doing my steps. I wasn't actually calling my sponsor. I was calling just enough people to make it look like I was doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, ticking the boxes. And checking the boxes, yeah. And it was so hard. Let the drugs get out of my system. <laughs> mm-hmm. I realized, holy shit, I need help. Yeah. And that, like, that's more important than, like, if anyone's judging you. I Yeah, more, way more important. In which, and, and then you start to learn, like, they're not. Like, I remember right. the, the first meeting that you talked about it that I was at, like, everybody was just supportive of you and, like, a bunch of hugs and tears. And, and I, like, I remember when you told me, I remember I was talking to my therapist about it because, like, like, there, there's no, like, judgment. But I was just, like, oh, like, I feel like I'm in a really good spot. And, like, this is somebody that, like, I've really gotten to know through the program that, like, I, like, has been in it longer than me. And I'm, like, I look up to and so, like, I was, like, if they can relapse, like, is that, like, like oh, shit, like, I, ne- you never, I never thought it'd be, like, this person that I know pretty well. Like, what's going to, you know, like, the, like those feelings, I think, come. But, like, no part of it was, like, a judgment. No, you know absolutely what I mean? not. And I, that's why it's so important. It was taught to me, and I understand now, why it's so important for when people do relapse, you tell your story. Yeah. Because it's, we're addicts. We're going to be addicts for the rest of our lives. Like, I, that's why I, that's why I relapsed because I was making it like if it was some kind of like status thing like okay well now it's like two years and um, I don't have to go to as many meetings I got this mm-hmm. like it's some kind of graduation or something it's literally one day at a time mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to race through the steps anymore I'm not trying to learn what to I try not to focus so much on what I'm sharing in a meeting. I'm, I'm trying to like actually listen to what people are saying. And then when it comes to me, I say whatever comes out of my, my head and heart. Mm-hmm. Because that's where I heal. That's where I really get what I need from a meeting. When I just vomit everything, even if it doesn't make sense, but if it's to what I'm going through at the moment, like authentically... I leave it there at those rooms. Something about those rooms just dissipates all that for at least that rest of the day until you go to your next meeting. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that going to meetings, I know it can be a lot of work and it's annoying, but it's become so important to me. Part of my routine. Um, I try to not miss a meeting. I've been going to a meeting every day. And it's not because I'm trying to only keep my commitment, but because I need it. Yeah. Like, I really need it. Because I am so forgetful. This Like, uh, my addiction loves to remind me of the good parts. And I can only remember and always remember the great highs, but I can never remember how shitty and horrible the lows are. Like... And that's why I need to keep going to these meetings to remind me what I'm fighting against. This this demon inside of me that is trying to win constantly. Yeah. And it's not even that great. Like, literally, once you go to AA and you start getting better, at, you know, at working with your with your traumas, like, your your head is just full of things that you, you've already learned. So, like, going and getting high or drunk is just shit now. Oh, yeah. It's just shit. It's like it's the entire time 
you're just worse than before when you were craving it. Mm -hmm. It's like, fuck you, AA. Like, <laughs> like you ruined my high. Like, I needed, you know. Like there's, I, yeah, there is no way I could ever, there's no way I could ever drink again in a way that'd be fun. Like, if I relapse, it's, it's I'm just going to feel guilty before, during, and after. Like, it, it, there's, it could never be cool. You know what I mean? No. It's, and it used to be so cool. Yeah. It used to be, I used to, like, love the whole tormented artist. Oh, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. It's like <laughs> the, the, romant, the, romant, the romantic side of addiction is, can be beautiful, too. Um, I just, but I don't, AA takes that away. But it's totally worth it. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to turn anybody off. It's just now I'm learning to deal with that void with myself mm -hmm. on my own with nothing, and that is so hard. But I feel like the hardest things in life have the greatest rewards. Also, it's like cheaper. <laughs> and I won't have to buy or look for it. You know, it's right in within yeah, me. Yeah, it'll free. be it'll be within me. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, I remember I was talking to somebody, a friend that, that kind of, I, I think they're still sober, but they don't really do the program anymore. Um, because like I still go like I still go to a meeting like five to six days a week, and my whole thing is like there are a lot of meetings where I'm like, I'm doing fine and I'm not really getting anything out of this, and like this meeting kind of sucked or it was boring, but like. It's an hour. I would rather, I'd rather be bored for an hour than, than go back to what it was like. Like, who, ca who cares? There's 23 other hours in the day I can do whatever I want with. Like, it's, just do it, you know? Like, it's so worth, you know, and also nine, nine hours of dumb meetings to then get to that one where you really get, like, a good, a, right. it's totally worth it, I think. Totally worth it. Not all the meetings are great. Yeah. And that's fine. Who and that's, cares? And that's fine. Because I also wasted so much time just being flag out drunk. And, what you know, like, I when I was using, I never had regard for time anyway. So why all of a sudden do I care about wasting an hour, you know? Do you want to know a secret? Yeah. I mean, I, it's not a secret. It's not a secret. It's, it's, gonna it's not going to be a secret Because it's going to be recorded. But yes. <laughs> I like to check out so many different meetings. Like, I go all over Waukesha, all over everywhere, like up west, north, south, because of that reason. Like, they, they, they can get boring but I love to cruise hot topics not like actually they like go after them because they're probably most they're, like in Waukesha especially a lot of them are straight but Waukesha's got the hottest ones <laughs> I'm saying like the ones you can just I just look I'm just like god damn boy uh -huh. I see your nipples through your shirt and like they're, I just it, I, I do pay attention at the meeting but if it's a shit meeting at least I got something to look at I, I totally <laughs> get that like I I struggle a lot when I whenever I have to share. I try to share towards the beginning because otherwise, like I'm way too distracted thinking about what what I'm gonna say, and then I don't listen to anybody else. But there, I feel like almost every single meeting I go to, there's at least a couple minutes where like I'm bored of whatever somebody's saying that I just go person by person. I'm like, would I fuck them? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. Absolutely. Maybe. You know, like and I, and I like I just like scan the room every single time, and I yeah, and I would never do it. Like I. I mean, I would. <laughs> I know. I try. I try. I, to... I haven't, and I'm trying not to shit where I eat. Yeah, like the whole like thirteenth step thing or whatever yeah. they talk about. Which, if you, so they the thirteenth step refers to like having sex with people in the program, right? right. Is that yeah? Okay. That's exactly. Well, yeah. It's it's like being like the like so a newcomer comes in mm -hmm. and 
they nobody's talking to them, but you have this like person who's been in a long time, through the twelve steps, and is very kind, but his real intention yeah. is to like get your number and call you, but because they yeah. right get your number and call. You. They want to like Drake and Billy Bobby Brown it or right and be like, <laughs> oh god, you know the tension is real. I can't sponsor you, but you know what, we can fuck. Yeah, <laughs> which I learned trying not to be because I mean there's. I find AA people hotter than millennials. Yeah. Yeah. I, because it, I have something to relate to. Like, they, they, they share my same story. I don't know. Like, I, like I, I love normies mm-hmm. and I've dated normies for a while, but I never dated it within the AA community and that intrigues me and that's been kind of hard for me lately because I'm trying to not date anyone and just kind of focus on myself because a lot of my issues is boys. Yeah. It is. It is. It's boys and, like, grinder and relationships. And they haven't been working because I haven't been... I, I don't know how to love myself yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep putting that first. Like, I keep trying to put a relationship in. I just... I'm starting to learn that. And it's hard. Because... It's hard to be alone because, like, I love the whole hookup culture. It's fun. Mm-hmm. You know? It is. And, like, I don't want to put myself out there like that, but it's, like, I, it's not hard for me to get certain guys, you know? Yeah. Or go out and get them, like, but, and that's, like, another addiction right there. It's, like, mm-hmm. get that validation that I get from either going to different meetings and being like, oh, well, you know, he thinks I'm cute and he can remember so fuck real quick and <laughs> I would never go back to that meeting again, which I've done. And it's fucked up. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want a repeat of this relapse. I'm not, I can't promise anything, but I can make a difference what I've, from what I've learned from this relapse. I can't, I, I, Yes, I want another two years and I want to get there. But I want to get there because I did it right. Because I am actually helping people. I am doing my step work. I am volunteering my time. I'm doing whatever it takes to give back. But was so freely given to me, as they say. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you talk about like being attracted to people who are clean or whatever like I I love watching my husband be drunk like I don't know if it's like a like I, I hear about this tell me about that. like I so he so my husband was never a big drinker to start with um and so I guess I don't know like I, I don't I feel like I'd only ever seen him drunk a few times before and now that I'm sober, like, if we go somewhere and go, and, and I don't know, I think part of it's, like, he, he can, like, feel a little bit looser when we go out, because he knows, he, like, before he knew anywhere we go, he has to take care of me, and he doesn't have to anymore, and so maybe, and so, like, that makes him, like, a li- like drink a little more, he's also, like, 10 pounds, so, like, it doesn't take much. <laughs> he is so, <laughs> so, like, but, like, we'll go out, and, like, and he'll get, never, like, like, a problem or anything, but, like, He'll, you know, he'll get drunk or whatever, and, and I, I don't know if it's just, like, because I'm, like, live, I'm trying to, like, live through him, or, like, just watch, I, like, I mean, just watching him be, like, dumb 
is fun because I just love them, you know, like it's like cute. But then also, I don't, I don't know. It's so, it's, it's not like jealous because like, like, I mean, the, part of it is, I guess, because I'll watch and be like, I wish I was doing that, but I can't. My sponsor does this. She, t- oh, God, how she put it? I, I need to introduce you to her because mm-hmm. she does this with her family members and there's a word for it and it's, oh, God. when I introduce you, I'm going to bring it up. Okay. Because it's, 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 uh. There's something about feeling gratified about, like, here, drink more. Yeah, because he'll, <laughs> he'll do that all the time. He'll be like, oh, like, I feel bad drinking from you. Like, no, I want you to. Like, do it. Like, this is fun for me. Like, I, which, I, yeah, I don't know. It's I, under the, I, I have so much resentment. Like, I, I have my mm-hmm. sister's wedding coming up, and I cannot stop thinking about how resentful I'm going to be at all the drunk people there. Because I can't be. Mm-hmm. And I, need, I, I, I just want to get over that. Like, oh my god, like, I, I don't, I know that I don't need to drink to have fun, but I can't stop with the mental obsession. Like, it's the drink in the hand, or like, the whole, I don't know. I just, I envy people that can go to bars or to like weddings. I know that eventually maybe I'll get there, but mm-hmm. that could just not, and that doesn't even bother them or phase them. Every second that I'm at a bar or at a, some kind of event, I am like, in my head, I'm like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to drink. I want to drink. It's not fair that you can drink, and I can't. And I'm like, and I can't even enjoy myself. I mean, I've had times where, like that one time we went yeah. to uh, Cruise. Cruise. Mm-hmm. That was a good time. I, I did have, that was a, that was a good time. But, like, it was a group of us that but were all group, sober. That, right. You know, like. And it has to be specific. Like, it was a group of us. And it was, like, a team effort kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, me alone and, like, family events or, like, with normies, I just, I can't, I'm not there yet, I guess. I don't know. I just, I, I just can't do it. I know a lot of people that can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, I go out to the bars quite a bit still, like, with friends and my husband and whoever. And, like, I think part of it is because, like, I'm so open about my sobriety that I'm, like, I couldn't drink right now, like. They, like everybody knows the bartenders all know like I talk about it so much so I'm like they, like I couldn't I couldn't walk up to Joe and be like give me a drink he'd be like what the fuck like I talk about my program all the time you know so I think that helps but like yeah I love and or especially like like being at a wedding and stuff too or like going to Pride Fest where like I think I, I liked it was there's like the chunk where I'm like this sucks everyone's getting fucked up and I can't and I feel weird but then you get to the point where, like, everyone's so fucked up that, like, they can't even tell if you are or not. So you don't feel weird anymore. Like, you can just be in the middle of a dance floor and just dance and, like, you know you're sober, but, like, everyone else doesn't care anymore. Like, that is kind of... That, that, I, that I like. The end of the night I like. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Because you're not like... Oh, yeah, and I'm like, I'm just moving. I'm just feeling myself and everyone around me is just, like, feeling themselves and it's not, like, like I'm not thinking about it anymore. And, like, I'm not feeling, like... Because, you know, like, especially at Pride Fest, like, what? Well, I like, need to dance. I need to go dancing. Going some, yeah, going up to the bar and be like, I just want a Red Bull. And they, like, they, like, judge you. They're like, what? Like, this is, you know, we're at no, Pride they Fest. No, they do. Yeah. And they're like, oh, let me get you a shot. I'm like, no, you know. But then by the end, everyone's just like, fuck it. I'm like, let's just dance. Who cares? Yeah. I tip them. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, here. Oh, I tip so well now because I feel like an asshole being like, help me get Diet Coke. And then my bill's two bucks. Right. I'll, I'll tip them like, like 100% or something. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's go back to, I guess it, t- it ties into the relapse, but your injury and sort of how that 
Because that we were talking about this before we My started recording injury. Yeah, because um, we were talking about this before before we started recording that like for alcohol, you know, like if I'm going to relapse, it's so easy because it's everywhere. It's like it's literally ten feet of every direction of my apartment. It's everywhere you go. It's on TV. People are talking about it. Like, it's so normal and out in the open. But, like, when it's opioids or, like, or, you know, harder drugs, it's harder to, like, just have it in front of you, you know? And so you were kind of talking about your injury and sort of how that kind of brought some stuff back in. Yeah. That fucked me up. <laughs> that Tell us, sister. fucked me up. Oh, my God. Because, okay, I love opiates. So what does the doctor prescribe to you when you have a boo-boo that hurts? Mm -hmm. Like you break your arm, you know you're going to get that little script. Um, that, and that's like, and your doctor's saying it's okay. They're actually encouraging it. They're like, you're going to be in pain, you're going to need it, and yada yada. So like, recently I had my hernias um, mesh implants on both sides. Um, and um, I told my doctor and my anesthesi... I can't say this fucking word. Anest Anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. There you go. So you got it. Uh, whatever, that guy. An enemy and then whatever. My enemy. Yeah, my enemy. <laughs> he um, <laughs> gave me a call and I even told him before the surgery, I was like, look, I am... I had two years of sobriety and I just had a relapse. I cannot be prescribed anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm also on naltrexone. He's like, well, when was the last time you took it? I was like, I took it three weeks ago. So I know I'm going to have surgery. I'm going to have to get put under... Because, you know, the opiate blockers, whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. can you not get put under when you're on it? Yeah, no. So, uh, well, they can, but they got to fuck, fuck you up. Okay. Like, they got to huh, put the most. That. Yeah. And I, I could have lied and been like, no, I just took it this morning. Just and then day. I would have been really set for it, you know? <laughs> but they really, like, give you a lot more to override it. Okay. So, um, I take the pill form now. Yeah. But, right. like, um, I tell them, you know, I can't, I can't have you write me a script and I know that you're going to have to put me under, but this is, you know, I, I really got my sobriety. Yeah, basically. He's like, okay, good for you. I'm very proud of you. I, I go in for surgery. Um, we talk about it a little bit more. With my, I talk about a little bit more with my nurse. I'm trying to let everybody aware. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I get put onto the, the bed to get taken to the surgery room, um, I'm talking to all the nurses. They're all like moving around. I'm like starting like my heart rate starting to go up, and whatever. And I have all these like things in my my chest and whatever. I'm put on this thing, and they start strapping my hands down. And one of the nurses is talking to me about my job, my mom, my, you know, whatever, trying to distract me. And my anesthesiologist like is behind me, and he's like, "Okay, we're gonna start. I'm gonna." Um, he grabs my head, and he goes. It's going to feel like you have a couple margaritas, um, but it's okay because you deserve this. And I'm, I like instant, like rush through my body. Like, I swear to God, like I was getting a blowjob from Jesus himself. Because it was just like, <laughs> it was so, I haven't had that feeling in so long. Because it was intravenous and it was lauded. And, and, you know, because that's like really good stuff. That's way better. I think better than heroin. <laughs> but... Um, it was, uh, before I, I could feel it for like five, six minutes, but that, what he said that I deserve it kept playing over in my head 
entire dream that I was having. In my, in, I, I was dreaming mm-hmm. in my, um, I, I couldn't stop dreaming and thinking about that, how I deserved to be high. Or, or, and I, something else in the dream happened, I don't remember. But I woke up and the first thing I said, I was like, I had the most beautiful dream. My nurse looks at me like, okay, <laughs> whatever, dude. <laughs> you were there. You, you were, were there. there. <laughs> and he was there. And like I, that mental obsession fucked me up so bad, Ryan. Like, I, I was in so much pain after. And I told him not to prescribe me anything. Um, they gave me like one for if it got really bad. And so I had the prescription, but I got home and I just kept thinking about everything that I could lose. Um, I know that I probably wouldn't have been able to feel it. I would have just probably, you know, it would have been doing its job, but I just couldn't take it. It was also very hard because like, um, they originally wanted to send me home with 30 on them. And I was like, are you kidding me? After, you know, I'm yeah. telling you, I cannot. I cannot. But the excuse, the, it's like your doctor's like telling you, you should have, you need to have this drink or you're going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just like, I don't, I don't, I, I, I think that as Americans, we're, we're so overly medicated. We, we, we just, we're just like, oh. I, I broke a nail. I need a painkiller. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's, we, we don't deal with, it, it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pain was bad because like, they literally took my nuts out of my, 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 my nutsack and rearranged them. <laughs> like, it was really painful, but like, it was not worth it. It was not worth it, but I'm telling you, I'm still waking up with wanting to pick up. I almost picked up a couple times. But I've been going to meetings, you know, and calling my sponsor, and I just, I feel like I um, fear missing out. Yeah. I feel like I missed out on the opportunity to be able to get the excuse BI, mm-hmm. and I'm like kind of mad about it, but I'm also proud of myself for, for just sticking it through, because my, my sponsor also told me a story where she had, you know... Um, her tooth pulled and you know she had the prescription like literally on her her nightstand and the mental obsession and all that and she ended up having to fill it out but, it, but it's because she was in actual pain and she didn't feel it she went to sleep mm-hmm. and this is why it's prescribed when you use it properly yeah but i'm an addict i'm not going to use that shit properly mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm going to take the whole bottle so i can get feel you know feel amazing um maybe that's why i'm having such a hard time lately Maybe it's two months, you know? Yeah. Um, the rain, I, I realized something with the rain. Get, it, it, I don't know what that is, but it's also like loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my friend Ryan this morning, and it's loneliness. I, I want a relationship. But because I'm trying to figure out how to love myself, I'm not putting myself in whatever relationship I can scrounge up. Yeah. You know? So I'm. When the right time will come, it'll come, but I, the more that I become aware of these things, the easier it's becoming for me to not have these triggers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's still hard, but being honest and open about it has been 
the biggest lesson because my old self would have been like, I'm fine. Yeah. I got this. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I got this because I want to look great and sobriety. Yeah. What does that mean? What, mm-hmm. what is that going to do? Who, but, cares? who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Literally, the rooms are there for, for that reason. If you mess up, come back. Mm-hmm. And repeat, whatever. Yeah. For me, with weather, it's... For me, it's when it's too hot and I'm getting, like, really sweaty. That's when I'm, like... And I don't know if it's just because, like, when I'm with your, like, drinking a shit ton, you get, like, really hot, too. So, like, if I'm, like... The other day, it was, like, 90 degrees and I was just, like... And, like, it was hot as fuck in our apartment and I was just... I felt... I was, like, that's what, what makes me want to drink. Really? Yeah. Um, heat? Heat, yeah. Just being, or just like, yeah, being also like, really like something like cool, like a cold beer. I don't know, or just because it reminds me of being drunk. Because like, I would like oh, heat right, up right, a lot right. when I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's more that. And like, but yeah, anytime that I'm like starting to like get really sweaty or whatever, I feel, I'm just like, fuck, I want to drink now. I want like just, I think the, the loneliness thing makes sense. And there, there's a sign at, at the Alano Club that I really like right by the front door. And it says something like, it's like, it's okay to let us love you until you learn how to love yourself. Yeah, and I really, I really like that sign. I, and I, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually took a picture of it. I was having a hard time, and I looked over, and it was there. I was like, "Yeah, I just noticed it recently." Yeah, it's like in a hidden spot. It's like the perfect hidden spot. Mm-hmm. It's like there for for that reason for you to look at it when you need it most. And yeah, no, I that's what I, like I like that, and I like thinking about it that way too. Like obviously, my situation is different being married, but like. I struggle, like, I don't struggle being out at the bar with people, like, I struggle when I'm home alone, when, like, my husband's at work, and I'm by myself, and I don't have plans, and, like, there's no one to hang out with, and, you know, there's not really a meeting at the time, like, where I'm, like, I don't know what to do with myself, that's when I want to, like, drink and use and all of that, and so I think, like, that, I like that message there, because I'm, like, and I've never really done it, and I've thought about it, where I'm, like, sitting at home alone, like, I could be doing what I'm doing right now, but just, like, at the club, like, I could, like, take a book and go sit on a couch there and read like like you know like is is that the answer to just like like if i'm if i don't like being home alone then just don't be home alone you know like go find something else to do go like that's why i volunteer there that's why I, you know like like even if it's dumb or if it's boring like maybe that's better and maybe you and then, and then you meet people that way or you don't you just like there's there's like people i'll see there that like they'll get there at 10 a.m and be there till it closes just like on the computer just hanging out just like you know like and, like, I don't want to do that necessarily, but, like, maybe just, like, it's not just about, like, you know, checking off the box. Like, I went to my meeting today, but it's just, like, being in these spaces, grabbing a soda, and just, just sitting, you know. Yeah, talking to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Because I think a lot, I mean, I get a lot out of meetings, but I get a lot more out of, like, this, I mean, this kind of thing, of course, but, like, you know, talking at brunch after a meeting or, like, sitting, you know, or just, like, catching somebody, at, you know, when they're having a cigarette after a meeting. Like, those talks, I feel like I almost find more benefit from than just, you know, the passing around. But I don't know. I'm glad they're there. I'm glad beings are there. And Me too. I'm I'm so grateful for the, the AA, NA, all the organizations, because I swear it's the best crowd of people. Cause it's like the baddest bitches oh, that are figuring it out, and you put them all in one. <laughs> like seriously, like I've met so many awesome people, like that are just like sexy at life. Mm-hmm. Because, like, as much as as hard as it is to be come sober, there's a certain like 
people and group that you start becoming a part of and like when you're like when it starts to click like when it settles in okay i'm gonna be sober i'm sober now for five years but i don't have these thoughts anymore and you're at that level like it's just there's so much to do and like i i I want to be a part of that group, those winners. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. they're so sexy to me. Like, they're they travel. I see them travel all the time. Those, uh, you know, they, they just have the. It's like a family, and isn't that what we're always looking? Isn't that what we're looking for, anyways? When we go out to these bars and stuff, we're looking for connection and love. Like, it's in the rooms. Yeah, and it just. Yeah, and they yeah. can, there's, like, some get clicky, and some, yeah. and I have, to, I try to remind myself, too, that, like, you know, you meet so many great people, and, and there, there's a lot of benefit to that, but, like, everybody in that room is also, like, a struggling addict, and so sometimes, like, someone is, like, kind of a dick, or, like, someone, like, cuts you, like, like, cuts you out when you thought you were, like, getting to know them, or, like, you, like, you know, people make these weird decisions or do these weird things, and then you have to, like, sit back and remember, like, okay, but, like, we're all struggling. It's, you, you can't take it personally. It's, like, like, you, you can connect to these people so much, but also they're hurting just as much as you, and they're, they're also there for themselves. They're not there for me, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to, like, re- take a step back and remember that. Two questions for you, and then we'll wrap it up. So, first one. What? So, let's say one day at a time works great, and it's five years from now. You're five years clean from your new date. What? What does your dream life look like? I would say I would have the perfect car that I've been dreaming about, and my credit would be good enough to where I'm putting it towards a house okay but the reality is that none of those things matter and I'm starting to learn that if they come they do and if they don't they they don't because I will be in love with myself and I would hope that even if I stop working at this job that I make really good money at and I take something that actually I'm helping others in and making like a third of what I'm doing now, I know that I would be happy and God will give me the things that I actually need. That's where I see myself. In complete acceptance of where I am, no matter what it is. I love that. That's awesome. And if you could now where you're at, um, so that first time that you got pulled over and kind of like started your whole journey into recovery, like if you were there at that moment now and could like give that kid some advice, what would you say to him? Surrender. And stop, don't lie to the cop because he's going to arrest you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I was just lying. I, I would just say surrender. This is your time. This is, this is, I would, yeah. They literally gave me the videotapes. They sent it to me. In, in, really? Yeah, all the cop, the, the cop body cam, cam? Okay. body cams, and the the recording in the the cell. Everything that I said. God, I was so gaunt. 
And anytime that I need to remind myself of that day, I can just pop it in. I have the DVD. Wow. Yeah. And I do, and I and I just look at myself. And I'm just like, I don't even know who that person is anymore. Mm -hmm. But I love him because he survived this far. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for inviting me. I was really yeah. afraid of doing it because I was like, "Well, I think I hear my story." God, oh, I think you have, you have a really <laughs> cool story, and I think it's I think it's relatable to a lot of people. And I think I don't know. I think you're in such a spot now that like the the fact that you can be vulnerable about it and talk about it. Like I know that like I mean I said this before too. I know that I've looked up to your kind of journey through this the whole time, and so I think it'll be great having other people be able to hear it too. And that's what I mean. Like, that's what I've been saying about the podcast all along. So like, if one person at one point listens to this and it helps them all, then like, cool, great. You know, that's yeah. all, I mean, that's all I'm looking for. So that's amazing. I'm so glad that you, you started this. This is a, a very honor. And I feel like it, um, I, I was hurt. So thank you. Yeah. Bye fuckers. Mm -hmm. I saw your arms wide open And I wanted you to hold me now We'll be dancing with the lights on Because it's getting better